John Boy Media has a new teammate. It's iHeart Podcasts. What does it mean? John Boy Media shows can now be found over at the Dan Patrick Show. That's right. How cool is that? Wake and Jake and Jimmy's three things have joined the iHeart Podcast and Dan Patrick Show family. And the best part, they'll still continue to be the same shows you know and love. If you couldn't tell, we're excited about this one. And thank you guys for listening. Welcome to episode number 94 of Bleeding Blue and the New York Football Giants lose once again by a score of 31 to 13 against the Green Bay Packers of Wisconsin and Pat Shermer is one of two head coaches uh, in the Giants franchise his history to lose 10 plus games in his first two seasons and the New York Football Giants have lost 17 out of their last 22 home games Giants pride David hashtag without further ado let's bleed blue David, uh, one of these days, I promise, when we actually put ourselves in front of a microphone, I promise one of these days we'll be happy to talk to each other. Justin, every time I speak to you, I'm miserable. You have become synonymous with misery for me. Wow. I think that's – if that's not a drop, I don't know what is. <laughs> what? You have become synonymous with misery? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. That we should we should keep that one. That's a good one. We should keep that moving forward. Does does my voice remind you of losing football and just terrible times? It just reminds me of sadness. I don't know if you can hear it in the recording, but my voice is not well. Were you yelling um, today? Well, first of all, well, first no. of all, we have to inform the people. Um, so you're a masochist because you chose to go to Chicago on a last minute whim. <laughs> to watch that disaster of a football game last week. Yeah. So then guess what? You decided to best yourself and text me. You texted me this morning at nine o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. And you were like, I'm going to the game. And I'm like, <laughs> what the, you actually have a fucking problem because yeah. you, you, you had to know, you had to know that regardless of whether we pulled it out and we won, you had to know that that was going to be a miserable, miserable, Three to three and a half hours sitting in that shitty weather. You had to know that. I did. I did. And that's what's the, that's the worst part. I I don't know what it is. I just – if I could put like a – just give you some imagery to how my week went. Monday through like Thursday, I was like, hell no, I'm not going. Why the hell would I do that? That sounds terrible, especially as I saw what the weather was going to be like as I got closer. Uh, now that sounds awful. Why would I do that? Friday, I was like, well, I never have seen Aaron Rodgers in person. That would be oh, pretty Jesus. Cool. Saturday, I was like, ah, I don't know. If I can get some people to go with me, I think maybe, you know, maybe I'll think about going. I don't know. And then this morning I woke up and I was like, fuck, seven and nine makes the playoffs, guys. We're we out. 
you know, we got it. We're going to go do this. And it was very fun while it was snowing, though. It was a lot. Of, it was really fun. I was having a great time stealing Shepard scores a touchdown. The world was complete. It was snowing. It was great. And then as soon as the, the freezing snow, rain, came. as soon as the snow turned back to freezing <laughs> rain, it never got better. And it hasn't gotten better yet. I, I've been waiting for the last six and a half hours for it to get better. Justin it hasn't gotten better. How was the shower? Like you, so you got home and you took a shower. That shower after you're, you're probably you're probably your hands were still pink. Your face is still somewhat pink. Your especially even your feet too. I can imagine your feet. How was that shower? Absolutely glorious. I mean, you know the feeling, Justin. And anybody who's I ever been guess. out like in the snow or has been out in the cold. You know that 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 refreshing shower when like you when you get in the shower and the water is still cold but it feels warm to your body, mm-hmm. you know you've made a grave mistake by whatever you were doing for the previous three hours because your body should not be that cold and you need to get it rectified immediately. And I did. It was it was it was really lovely. I'm I'm nice and warm now. Have a sweatshirt on, sweatpants. I'm feeling great. Outside of the um, crushing agony that is Giants football. So David, I have to ask you a few things about being at the game today. Okay. First of all, there was this woman who posted on social media that now she's a Packers fan and this tweet went viral that somebody took a bite out of her cheese head. Okay. Did you see this? Uh, did I see the tweet or did I see the woman? Did you well both? Uh, I did see the tweet. Um, you did I, see the tweet. Now, I, now I'm going to ask you this because I told you in your live stream, I said, I want you to go find a cheese head and take a bite out of it. So did you listen to me and did you take a bite out of that woman's cheese head? Did Justin, you do that today? I really, really wish I could say I did. I did not, though. That was not me. I didn't 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 see a cheese head with a bite taken. out. If, if I remember correctly, it looks like it was in the lower bowl. So it was probably not super far from me. But. I know that's what I, I got suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, did David actually listen to me? <laughs> no, I did not do it. I had a lot of options, though. There were a lot of cheese heads around me. No, that's a great transition because I want to I want to ask you, tell us about the atmosphere and the environment at the stadium, in the parking lot, like because I, I can imagine, you know, combine combine this with the weather. Now, I've I've had giant season tickets since. Uh, for a very long time. Basically, me and my father have had them since the year before the new stadium opened. And we've been going to games since the year that they won the Super Bowl. So we've been going for a very, very long time. And I mean, what I what I feel like is a very long time, which I'm sure in, in some other people's that's like, oh, that's nothing. That's that's a quarter of the time that they've gone to see the Giants play every single week. But ne- neither here nor there for me to say that I'm not going to go. When I'm home and when I'm in the area, when I'm in the tri-state area, and I'm just going to – I don't want to sit through that, that takes a lot. So you were there. Tell us about the environment. Tell us about the stadium itself. Um, just tell us about your, your fan experience today, ignoring the actual game. It was, re- it, was, it was really bad. From a Giants perspective, it was really bad. It was embarrassing. And, and, and you know, it, it's what you would expect from a team – that is not putting a winning product out on the field, playing a team that is putting a winning product out on the field, that generally travels well. The Packers have a pretty good fan base throughout the country, and especially in New York. I would say I, I got I got to the parking lot around 11. I was in one of the uh, 
one of the covered parking lots. I was in one of the garages and I would say I was there from about 11, 11 to about I don't know, 12, 12, 30, 12, 35 is when I walked over to the stadium. I, I'm not kidding. I definitely saw more Packers fans than like the Giants fans. You saw a lot more, um, a lot, a lot more Rogers jerseys, uh, Jones jerseys than you did Daniel Jones or Saquon or whatever. Um, in the stadium, low, you know, the 100 level, it was, it was Packers fans. The Packers got introduced as I was, as I was walking to my seats, the Packers got introduced and the cheer was louder than the Giants cheer was. And the Giants boo was louder than the Giants cheer was. Um, as soon as the game started, we got multiple go pack go chance that continued the entire game. Oh, yeah, that was so strong. I actually I tried to make a tweet about that. Um, I'll actually try to add the audio in here. From scrimmage. Good start. Four yards on first down for this offense. And the opening kickoff was brought to you by MetLife, the official insurance company of the New York Giants. Because, David, at the, especially at the beginning of the game, it was insane. Yeah. Yeah, it it does help that when your favorite team, when your favorite oppose, you know, if you're if you're an opposing team and you're visiting at a, another stadium, it helps if you have a, a little bit of a chant. Whereas if you're like, you know, uh, fly Eagles fly, um, the Vikings had the skull, and then Packers have go pack go. It helps that if you have something that you can all rally around. Whereas a, a, a random team like let's just say the Dolphins, they don't have that. Um, but nevertheless, yeah, the- it, it was embarrassing. The 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 teams that have that that can do that at to the highest degree, and and I've unfortunately seen all four of these teams do it. It's the Vikings with their skull chant. It's the Steelers with their towels. It's um the Saints with the the hoot at, and it's the the Packers with go pack go. Um, and, and we got tons of it today, and it, it essentially lasted the entire game until even the Packers fans got tired of being in the rain, so they left. And you know, Justin. It, it's it's a lot harder to deal with that, and and it and it feels like you're being attacked, like when you're at a game. When you say you know when when the Giants are, are halfway decent and it's a competitive game, or you're you're a competitive team that gets blown out by an opponent, and the other team's fans come in and do that to you. When you're in a competitive season, when you're having a, a competitive season, but as a fan sitting there i wasn't even insulted i was you know i wasn't even upset about it because i i really believe the only way for this to get any better is for john Mara to understand that this has become the new norm for the giants and this has become the new normal for the giant for giants fans they're not coming out to games i mean let's be honest the only reason i've i've had a lot of people uh not a lot of people a couple of people kind of jab at me well why are you going if it was so horrible why did you go honestly i already have the tickets i like you, Justin, have season tickets, so um, I wasn't going to make any money. Nobody was buying them. We had them up for sale. Nobody bought them. So yeah. I took them and I went. I figured Someone better. I mean, it ma- makes sense for somebody to go. But you're also a masochist. Well, yes. Yes, I, I do have a problem. But that that's- should, should we define what that is for our listeners just in case they don't know? Go for it, Justin. Do you remember what it is? Yes, I do. Do you want to share it? I mean, how in-depth am I getting on the explanation? All right, I'll, I'll I'll do it, and I'll and I'll get in depth. It's okay. it's a person who derives sexual pleasure from pain. Wow. Okay. Wow. You you went all the way. Yeah. See, for instance, right here. Now, I I Justin, I just so this is live. I just so happened to to open up my phone, and it, Twitter is open, and 
somebody just commented on my tweet directed at Pat Shermer and John Mara. Um, he just, this person just tweeted at me, yet you're giving them your money. And I'm complaining about sitting there and, and dealing with this. And, you know, oh, I saw that. I was thinking about commenting on it and being like, yeah, David, you are an idiot. I, yeah. And, and I, I would agree with you. I am an idiot. But, but the point is, they need, you know, I, I already have them. I might as well go. But I, I think what's really important is for people like you, Justin. The only way John Mara makes a change is if he understands that there are people who won't go. And there are dedicated fans who don't care anymore. And and are not going to buy, you know, not going to buy beer, not going to buy concessions at the games. And I and I maybe I'm harping on this, but it is it is so bad. I've I've been to I think every home game with the exception of the Dallas Cowboy game on Monday night. I've been to every home game this year, and it's atrocious. Every every yeah. single game, you know what to expect. Every single game, we had a little bit of fun for a hot second when they were two and two, and and Daniel Jones was hot, and and he was new and he was hope that it. That's dead. I don't care. I, I'm I'm yeah. so de- detached from this from this team. I don't care. So, David, you've been doing some comparisons to the Knicks recently. Yeah. Um, and I I honestly, I mean, at least maybe not in terms of long term losing, as long as it's been happening for the Knicks. But I think it's a fair comparison in terms of when you look at ownership, when you look at management, and the certain decisions that happen, and when you look at the the whole. You can't re- quote unquote rebuild in New York. What at least what at least the Knicks have been able to do, they've kept people at the Garden. If there's one thing that the Knicks can hold on to, is that they you know no matter how bad their basketball team is, those fans are still going to show up at the Garden. Right now, granted, uh, Madison Square Garden's uh, uh, seat capacity is a lot different than MetLife Stadium, which is eighty thousand people. But I think the the point still withstands from there. So, Dave, if I don't know if you want to talk more about that because you're more of a Knicks fan and maybe a little bit more of a basketball follower than I am. But um, you've been doing some comparisons to the Knicks, so I figured maybe you want to speak on behalf of that. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a really good comparison because, like you said, like you alluded to, the, the ownership is, is dangerously similar at this point. Uh, you're right. They haven't had the consistent losing, but they right now they they show no signs of stopping their losing, and and they they seem to be in the same cycle. And 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 I think maybe the Giants are breaking the cycle, as are the Knicks actually. And and the cycle the Knicks have caught themselves in for a long time is they they have a habit of just signing guys who aren't really long term solutions, and they're kind of stopgaps to keep people in the seats. They're guys who are going to hopefully draw enough attention to this specific season where people will continue to come out, pay money, and and support the team. There's probably a lot of theories as to why the Knicks are able to continue selling out the Garden. I think some of it has to do with the fact that the Garden is legendary. Um, You know, sea capacity. And MetLife Stadium is horrible. A dumpster. Yeah. The sea capacity, like you said, Justin, is obviously vastly different. It's indoors. Very simply, it's indoors. You, you you know, you mean to tell me if the Giants didn't have a dome, Justin? If the Giants had a dome today, would you have gone? Oh hell yeah, yeah, exactly. And that that definitely has something to do with it. But I also think the Knicks are excellent at branding themselves. You you, you can make a case for why you want to go see the Knicks every game because I think the main difference between the Knicks and the Giants is you never 
turn on a Knicks game or go to a Knicks game and feel like Knicks fans are outnumbered and, and that you hear more opposing fans than you do Knicks fans. Giants games at this point, there is no such thing as a home field advantage advantage at that stadium. Every home game is an away game at this point. And I, and, and that's yeah. got that that is on ownership. So that that's my comparison. I think I think you can make a lot of comparisons between the two, but I think there are a lot of reasons outside of the sport itself why the Knicks are able to continuously bring people in. But there definitely is something to do there with um in, in similarity. All right. Um let's get to the game. I don't want um, to. <laughs> <laughs> it resulted in some pretty fun moments. Uh I will admit. I put a when they were showing on the telecast, David, I don't know if you saw this video that I posted, but um there was about a 34 second block on the Fox telecast where they were showing people shoveling and taking care of the snow on the football field. So what I did is I put that to dramatic music and it was one of my favorite videos that I've ever made. I just casual middle-aged men, just casual middle-aged men, just uh, shoveling snow. And I put that to dramatic uh, gridiron football music. (laughs) I did see it. It was, it was, it was great. It was great. And that was, that was the, that was the best part of the game. Well, yes, that was the best part of the game. Um, but also, I think the second best part of the game is that the radio broadcast, the radio telecast, no, telecast is TV, so that, that's, I'm a fucking idiot. The the radio broadcast um, picked up Pat Shermer after what was pretty much, it, it was a very much a bullshit, I think a bullshit pass interference call on Sam Beal on the sideline to Devontae Adams. I mean, however, I do think that you're asking for it if you're putting Devontae Adams on you know, fucking Sam Beal, uh, which is also, that's another thing that bugs me. Janoris Jenkins said after this game that, you know, uh, 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 he, I think he also spoke about himself in the third person. And he said, rabbit used to follow everybody, which that's such a Janoris Jenkins thing to do. Speak about himself in the third person. Yeah. But me, maybe we can get back to that conversation. But on that pass interference call where Sam Beal was guarding Devontae Adams, the radio broadcast picked up Pat Shermer saying, that's a bullshit call. I did. I, <laughs> like I, I heard so your video. Loud. I did hear your video of that. It was really funny <laughs> to the point where Bob Papa had to say, you know, we apologize for, uh, whoa. You tell me it was a shit call. Well, that sounds like the defensive coordinator. Whoa. We apologize for the language. That was Giants head coach Pat Shermer letting the official know what he thought of that call on Beal. I, I may actually put that audio. I'll put, I'll try to put that audio in too because it was so apparent. Um, oh, uh, the, <laughs> that was Pat Shermer <laughs> explaining his uh, his displeasure with the call. Gotta um, love so mics. that was a good moment. That was a funny funny moment in the game too. Uh, and also just watching games in the snow is fun. Yes, watching it is fun in the snow, but not being there. I when it was snowing, I had absolutely no problem. I have a working theory that. When it's snowing, it's actually not nearly as cold. And there might be actually a scientific reason for that. And if anybody's a science nerd out there um, and can give me an explanation why, to me, it feels like on my person when it's snowing. It can be the same temperature, like snowing and not, and no precipitation. It can be like 28 degrees. And if it's snowing, it doesn't feel as cold as when it's not snowing. And I wonder if there's a reason for that. Because to me, when it was snowing, I, I was not frigid. Once it stopped, I was frigid. So, fear. Maybe, uh, maybe do some research on that this week and write up a bleeding blue blog. I, out of all the things I could research and blog about, that's what you want me to do. 
Yeah, because you've because you've done nothing fucking else, David. How long wow. have you been a co-host for this podcast? And however, how many other people have written blogs for Bleeding Blue? And I've you haven't been, done anything. Justin, I've been a little busy traveling across all over the country, going to watch this team lose. <laughs> so, excuse me. Merry Christmas. You're not going to the playoffs. No, we're not. Yeah. Um. So, uh, David, David, the actual football game. At least this is the first time in a few weeks. Now I can pull up the schedule. This is at least the first time in a few weeks where I'm walking away from this game as a Giants fan. And instead of saying, oh, we lost this game because of a lack of execution on this particular play or with this one particular player, I'm walking away from this game saying we lost because we do not have the same caliber of talent compared to our opponent. Would you say that is a fair statement? Yes. I, I I think there have been very few games on this team schedule this year where you just look at the other side of the ball and just say, there's no way these guys are going to cover. There's no way these guys are going to get open. Um, I would say this game, I would say looking back on it, Minnesota just has superior talent to this team um, across the board. Uh, Probably Dallas, even though they're not really. Here, I'll go. I have I have this I have the schedule up right now, so I'll go back. The Bears, you know, you you feel like you could win it, especially coming off the bye week and the fact that you had two weeks to prepare, correct? The Jets, you know, don't even get us started. The Cowboys, we were winning in that football game until that fucking black cat came out. So again, that kind of goes to the point where it's okay, you know, even though we don't have the roster to win that game, the fact that, you know, there were a few plays in that game that made the difference, even though the final score was 37 to 18. The Lions, you felt like you could compete, you felt like you could win, and the Giants wound up losing 31 to 26. The Cardinals don't even get us started on that. So basically, we're going back um, to week five and week six, whereas Giants fans were not necessarily approaching a football game where and week five and six, as a reminder, was the Vikings and the Patriots. Wasn't it, it and basically from that from that point on and from those two games, we're saying either the Giants are a few plays, a few shitty players away from winning winning the game. Even though we've had, you know, obviously bad coaching, bad execution, bad everything. If there's any consolation for me today, David, this is this is what I'm trying to get. Consolation. We had our bitching and moaning episode last week. We're upset. I think we're more upset today that we lost. We're not necessarily bitching and moaning and complaining. That was last week. But if there's consolation for today, the Green Bay Packers are going to be a team that is probably going to make at least the second round of the playoffs because they'll probably be getting a bye. And that is why we lost this game today because they have a much more talented roster than we do. I agree. I mean, I, th- I think there's a lot of other issues, you know, just because I, I think this is important to note, Justin, because I, I-, I can see this coming back at you in a bad way. I'm not from me, from 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 the, the powers that be of the Twitterverse. But it's important to note, just because you say this team lost because the other team had superior talent does not mean they executed well at all. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Because when you say when when you say that the, the team had superior talent, it almost makes it makes it sound like there was nothing they could have done. 
and there were definitely things they could have done at a much, much, right. much higher level across the board. But yes, I agree with you. The Packers definitely, you know, when you walk out of the game, you say, you know, we didn't put, we, they did not put their best foot forward. But that being said, the Packers are a damn good football team. And there's a reason why only three teams have figured out how to beat them so far this year. Yeah. David, it was a 17-13 game after three. Right. Yeah. You know, and we and we were approaching yet again another giant game where we're like, you know what? I really don't feel like we're in this football game at all. But God damn it, another fourth quarter, another game where we're saying if only this little thing can go right, we could fucking do it. Even though you feel like there's literally zero chance of that actually happening. <laughs> do you want me to do it, Justin? Do what? A team that allows the Green Bay Packers through three quarters to score 17 points. You just you just cannot tell me that that game is on the defensive shoulders. I understand. Well, I'll tell you what, David. I, 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 no, I, I will, I will say this. As playing devil's advocate, remember how we've talked about all, basically almost all season, how a critique of the offense has been the fact that they don't have sustainable drives? Right. Giants had a nine and a half minute drive within, I believe it might have even been the first half. Yeah, they did. The Giants were winning the time of possession battle for a large, large portion of the game. And, and you know, it, it, they had 95 rushing yards. You know, this is Saquon Barkley. You know, we'll just, we'll maybe we'll kind of jump to Saquon. We'll jump to some individual players that we want to talk about just based off of this reaction episode. But Saquon Barkley, while I still think he's a shell of his former self, he started to look like his normal self again a little bit in glimpses. So this Giants team was sustaining drives. And that ultimately, this goes to your point that you've had all season, that ultimately does help the defense. What did they score? The Among Green those drives. Uh, no, the Giants. Among those drives. Yeah, they, well, they, they had 13, they had, they had, they had 13 they points had a, through three and then they, zero points in the fourth quarter. They had a nine and a half minute drive in the first half. They did. I, I believe on that drive, they converted two fourths, two fourth downs and they managed a field goal. I've never said that this Giants defense is fantastic. So if you just work with me on this, Justin, I agree. The Giants defense is not, is not great. There was a stretch of time throughout the middle of the season where I thought they were actually pretty good. They've regressed. They've not been great. Yeah. And I've had no problem saying that. But if you work with me here, in saying that they're not great means if my defense that, that I know isn't great allows 17 points to the Packers through three quarters and my offense manages 13, manages three points off a nine and a half minute drive, you just, you can't do it. You cannot expect this defense to keep playing at that level and throughout most of the season, they play at a level that's higher than it's than, than should be expected of them. I'm not saying that that expected level is very high, and that's the problem. The bar is set so low for this defense that least amount of cap space allocated in the entire league on the defensive side of the ball. Exactly. And they play like it. But honestly, for what for what James Betcher does with this defense for large chunks of football games, the defense keeps this team in games, and they have all season. It's not fair. It's it, I I understand when you look at the final number and you have that lopsided thirty one as as the Packers final score. 
And yeah, so now their points per game is going to go up again. They're going to be over 28 points a game given up. But there's so much more to that story. The same way how people got on me for talking about their their percentage, their, their three and out percentage, the, the Giants defense um, forced three and out percentage. There's more to that story. There's more to the points per game. I don't want to, I, I don't understand. And Justin, maybe, maybe get into another point here. You, and I, I know you maybe want to address this. I agree. I, I, I agree with what you've been saying. James Betcher is a dead man walking at this point. Yeah. I have no problem saying that. I don't necessarily think that's fair. I don't think that's right. And I don't think it's smart, but he is. I know it. I know. I know he's gone. But I. I. I just think it's. It's. It's erratic, and we're pointing the finger at very, very, in, in the wrong places. When you look at what this defense has to work with, when you look at what James Betcher has to work with, who do the Giants start in the secondary today? DeAndre Baker, a rookie. Julian Love, a rookie. Corey Ballantine, a rookie. Against Aaron Rodgers, Sam Beal. Sam Beal, who's essentially a rookie, against Aaron Rodgers. Corey and you allowed, and you allowed 17 points. Grant Haley got back in. <laughs> you allowed 17 points through three quarters. David Mayo. David Mayo has actually been lighting it up the last two weeks. He's had he's had some pretty damn pro football focus. I think he's a top 25 pro football focus graded linebacker. <laughs> Justin, you and in I the both league for the entire season. <laughs> David Mayo, Alec Ogletree, the list goes on and on of guys. Either they're not there yet, they're rookies, they're inexperienced, or they're just not very good. And that's what James Betcher has to work with. And give me that defense and give me 17 points in the first in, in the first three quarters. And then it's somehow the defense's fault that the offense managed 13 points. Give me a break. I'm not I'm not I'm not hearing it. I don't get it. So I so I guess David, basically your your point put in a nutshell is, if you were to tell me Sunday morning at noon, or on Sunday that's Sunday afternoon technically, I'm a I can be a fucking idiot sometimes. Sometimes if you tell me Sunday at noon, an hour before the game started, that the New York Football Giants defense would allow seventeen points to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. You would probably say, you know, we're we're very much in the game, and we, you know, we there's a good chance that maybe we're even winning the game. Um, so I think that's your point. But let's look at some individual plays and individual drives. You said it's not fair, and you're right, David. It's not fair. It's not fair that Betcher has to work with Alec Ogletree, who basically gave up that first touchdown to Devontae Adams, where Devontae Adams was sitting in the middle of the field, and I believe they he either had a safety or some kind of cornerback behind him. Um, and then basically you had Alec Ogletree and David Mayo. Alec Ogletree is basically stacked on top of David Mayo because he's covering the tight end that is running towards the sideline and running a, and running technically running towards David Mayo in the zone. So when Alec Ogletree leaves his zone and he leaves his assignment, that's what leaves Devontae Adams wide open in the middle of the field. So shocker, Alec Ogletree continues to prove our preseason prediction that Alec Ogletree is a terrible football player. Shocker. He's horrible. He's horrible. Carl Carl Banks made a very good point today. Literally, as I'm saying this, Carl Banks replied to one of my tweets. I said in this tweet today in a video that says Carl Banks made the point 
on the telecast today, or at least on the radio broadcast, that zone defense isn't just about covering an area, but the men who are in your area. So Carl Banks literally just replied, 9.26 p.m. This shows a complete lack of understanding of the zone concept, pass, and match. So that's what Carl Banks literally just replied to me. So it's so funny how I said his name and he replied to me. But neither here nor there. You're not supposed to cover necessarily a zone, but cover the men that are in your zone. And time and time again, guys like Alec Ogletree are showing he's not an inept football player. So that's the first touchdown of the game, David. Second touchdown of the game, the 40-yarder to Lazard. What the fuck is Antoine Bethea doing? Time and time and time again, this defense is allowing huge plays of 30 and 40 yards, especially on third and fourth down. Third and fourth down, this team does such a good top job, David, and this this goes to your, to your third down stat that you shared on Twitter, that Giants are in the top half of the league in terms of defenses that allow third and outs. Not just top half, it's like top five. It, it, it's, they're in the top five. I think they might be in the top 10, but they're they're pretty they're pretty darn good in that statistic, in that one stat. Now, I think what that shows is that the Giants defense does a good job in getting an offense into third and long situations, which if you're the Giants offense, holy shit, how good are defenses, how good are our opposing defenses at getting Giants into third and long situations, which you actually didn't see that much today, probably until the fourth quarter. And that's probably why we lost, because we got into a lot of third and long situations. And also Daniel Jones turnovers, which we'll get to. But neither here nor there. My overall point, there are certain problems that have been plaguing this Giants defense. Alec Ogletree, Antoine Bethea, the slot cornerback. How many times was Corey Ballantine targeted the last two weeks? And then guess what? Grant Haley comes in and breaking news. He still can't cover anybody. He still he still doesn't have ball skills. He still can tackle people in the run game, and he's very good in that regard. He even had a tackle for loss today. But James Betcher and this Giants defense and this personnel has been beat by the same things over and over and over again. Crossing routes, getting beat on third and long, and the huge plays down the field mainly on crossing routes. I cannot understand for the life of me, David, why James Betcher cannot figure out how to defend crossing routes deep down the field. I will never understand it for the life of me. Now, do you think that... This is a genuine question. I'm not trying to be argumentative, but do you think that's truly James Betcher not knowing how to handle the concepts that are being thrown at him, or is that the fact that he has so little talent to go around on the on the defensive side of the ball you and i have covered not in depth we we have mentioned week in and week out seemingly how bad antoine bethea has been how bad grant haley's been in coverage you know not to mention debro peppers was out today so when you've got a rookie corner and your veteran or i'm sorry a rookie safety and your veteran safety who's probably been the worst player in the secondary all year as your safeties going up against Aaron Rodgers, that's a very, very, very bad combination. And there's not a lot a coordinator can do. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a ton a coordinator can do to fix that. But my money's on there's not. I, I honestly don't even know if anybody's smart enough to answer that. Because yeah. <laughs> you you look at you look at the player execution. The player execution is shit. And Antoine Bethea, you know, he's constantly you see him constantly r- running behind guys. You see Grant Haley that has no ball skills whatsoever. But it just seems like I'm gonna put it on coaching at this point in the year because these guys are in the NFL for some reason, David. For some reason, these guys yeah, are in the NFL. Yeah, because the Giants didn't, because the Giants didn't have anybody better. 
These NFL players are in the league for some reason. Antoine Bethea has been in the National Football League for so long for some reason. He has been good True. for some reason. And I, I will agree, he it, he has been the worst player in this Giants secondary, especially considering the expectations that he's had heading into 2019. You have to come up with some kind of tangible solution to stop a fucking crossing route. I would understand if it's one week, okay, the intermediate game is beating us this week. Okay, comeback routes are beating us once again this week. But David, it's every single week with crossing routes. Every single week, deep crossing routes. Not even just intermediate crossing routes. They're deep down the field. That I, I, I don't want to talk about this too much more because I think you brought up valid points. I think I bring up valid points, and I kind of want to move on to Daniel Jones and the offense. Let me let me um, make one quick yeah, point. Say, say one more thing. Uh, say one more thing. I don't know if either of us are really smart enough to really fully answer this. Yeah, question. I'm not suggesting. I don't we think are. anybody is. I'm, yeah, I'm not suggesting that suggesting that we are. It's just again, it's just food for thought. Because right. I, I cause and it's I good think, food for I, thought. Because I think the. Because I, I think the blame is so easily passed to certain people, and and I think you can make arguments that I've probably passed that blame too quickly at at somebody like Pat Shermer throughout the season. We can get into that. My my last point is just to kind of piggyback off of my initial point about the lack of talent. Uh, good friend of the good, good friend of the podcast, Danny Boy King, put up a put up a, a video. It was quick. It was he had he had his own audio going. He was talking to the video basically. And he's yelling at Sam Beal because on I want to say the second, the second Green Bay touchdown, where Devonte Adams got wide open in the back corner of the end zone, and it was nothing more than a, it was nothing more than a than a than a post route. It looked like Sam Beal was one on one with Devonte Adams. Now, first of all, that's a mistake, but Sam Beal was lined up one on one with Devonte Adams, nonetheless, and just. Just ran. If you watch it, I don't know if you saw the video, Justin, or you saw you saw the play yourself a second time. But if you just watch the replay, Sam Beal is running is running with Adams, and just runs out of the play. It was a simple a simple move from Adams, and he looked like he had never seen it before. He 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 got his back turned. He's running towards the pylon while Devontae Adams is running towards the is running towards the goalpost and it was an easy touchdown. It was a pitch and catch for, for Rogers to Adams. If I'm James Betcher in that case, I, I throw my hands up and I say, I can lead a horse to water, but I can't make a drink. And there's only so many things I can do. If the talent's just not there and that's what, that's what these guys can put forward. That's a problem. Absolutely. Um, let's get to the offense, particularly Daniel Jones, uh, particularly Saquon Barkey, uh, Barkey, Barkey. And, uh, particularly uh, Saquon Barkley. Um, so basically, Daniel Jones had three interceptions on the day. Um, I feel like once again, a lot of good plays, a lot of plays where you're excited, uh, a lot of bad plays, um, or not a lot, but uh, some some significant bad plays, some tense moments <laughs> on that fucking uh, fourth down where, you, it, David, his ankle got bent up pretty good. I don't know if you saw any replays from Twitter no, yet. No, I did not. Uh, Dan... Dan Duggan put up a Dan Duggan put up a video of the play where it got twisted up. It it looked it looked worse than I initially thought. Um, now I don't know if you remember, but uh, or I, I didn't remember. I, I saw this today that uh, Daniel Jones at Duke played with like a broken collarbone for a while, so the dude can play through pain. But uh, you know when he was limping, that it's some, and he especially when he went into that tent, tense moments. Yes, tense moments. Yeah, and and it's part of the. I've been saying it for uh, 
a couple of weeks now, and, and I thought I've been saying it sort of sarcastically, but maybe not. Nate Solder in this offensive line is going to get Daniel Jones killed. Well, that ankle was on the fourth down uh, read option. Oh, was it? That's Yeah, that's when that ankle injury occurred. So that was, I mean, you know, how much have we been telling Pat Shermer to, you know, get Daniel Jones moving, get Daniel Jones running, get these RPOs read options going again. And the first time that he probably does it in weeks, maybe even <laughs> since uh, like the freaking Tampa game, <laughs> the first time that he actually keeps the ball on a read option. He fucking twists his ankle and he almost, I mean, he may have sprained his ankle. I don't know. I, I guess maybe we're going to have to wait to hear till till Monday morning. I hope he didn't. Uh, I hope it was maybe just a little tweak, but it, it looked bad. It looked bad. And, and that's the fear you you have when you've got a guy who can, who can do those kinds of things. I mean, that's the big talk about Lamar Jackson right now is can he stay healthy? Can he withstand the hits? Can he continue to be hit in in, in a safe manner? And what worries me about Jones is he doesn't seem to be able to do that. He takes a lot of hits. He, when he does run, he runs fairly recklessly. Granted, fourth down is a totally different animal. It's it's a, it's a very and, and that play was a very different situation. But it, it's a larger a larger point of trying to keep who is going to be you know in all likelihood is going to be your most valuable player moving forward. You got to keep him healthy, especially in games that don't matter anymore. Yeah, overall, just based on his play, the three interceptions, I put two of them on Jones, and two of them were probably his worst throws on the season. He's rarely had those throws where, you know, they just sail far and beyond above or underneath the receiver. He has rarely had those throws, whereas a guy like Dwayne Haskins has those kinds of throws all the time. Where I actually, you know, I actually didn't really get mad at Jones when he made those throws because I'm like, oh, that's not that's not like a common thing he does, you know. So I'm not going to get too mad at that. The one to Darius Slayton that was down the sideline, they were saying on the radio broadcast, Carl Banks and Bob Papa, they were saying that Darius Slayton it looked like he slowed up. Uh, to me, it did kind of look like Darius Slayton was fully not going full speed, and maybe he could have gotten to that ball. Um, you know, I don't really blame Daniel Jones for really wanting to have his, you know, biggest playmaker on this team try to continue to go up and make a play. Um, basically, Darius Slayton has been the number one big, you know, long threat on this team this year. The role that we wanted Cody Latimer to play, Darius Slayton uh, has uh, served that role. Um, so I don't really mind that. But David, you got to like the plays that he did show you and the big plays that he did show you. That that beautiful throw to Cody Latimer, um, the, obviously the beautiful throw to Sterling Shepard. There were even big plays that he's made today where you saw him making conscious efforts of holding on to the ball, holding the ball with two hands as he's stepping up into the pocket. I, I thought he saw the field much better. You saw Caden Smith get involved, you know. Often, early, and somewhat often kind of throughout the game, he made some big splash plays, and he looked good. So this is just what you want to see as a Giants fan right now. This is the only thing you want to see as a Giants fan right now. You want to see the progression of Daniel Jones, and obviously the other part that you wanted to see this second half of the season was this team trying to learn how to win, but obviously that's not happening, and that probably won't happen. Uh, but Jones at least making the strides in terms of his fumbling problem, Today, you can kind of put a little check, uh, at least a, a check mark in pencil, maybe not pen, but check mark in pencil that he has made conscious decisions and actions to protect the football. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's a rookie. People, people are getting tired of the rookie using the rookie excuse, but it's not an excuse. It's reality. 
Daniel Jones is a rookie. He he made he made a couple of really bad throws today, and and whether whether on on the Slayton pick, it was Slayton pulled up, or regardless, it it was an interception. It was a ball that definitely could have been intercepted, and it was. In time, you hope that Jones throws less and less balls that can be intercepted. Because I mean, if you look throughout the entire season, he's got tons of balls that really should have been picked. In a lot of games, he's thrown a lot of balls that that you look back and you say that that should have that really should have he should have gotten punished for that. Um, and today he did. He made a he made a couple he made a couple of great plays, and that's the life of a fan that support that supports a team with a rookie quarterback. That is what that's what you go through. There are very very few quarterbacks who come in and just set the league on fire. Daniel Jones has been very good. He's made some really bad plays. He has some issues that are all fixable, and he, and like you're saying, Justin, appears to be working on it, and, and you can see noticeable strides in that department. I do. I think. I think it was huge coming into the game. I thought this. Was, I thought he was going to fumble like crazy today. You know, based on the weather. Uh, yeah. The Packers' defense is is pretty is is fairly aggressive. They're talented. Unfortunately, the turnovers came in a different form today. Um, yeah. But these are these are now, David. Let me take. ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Now, even though it was snowing and then obviously it was it was freezing rain, was it still overall just wet or was it just kind of, you know, because snow isn't necessarily, you know, snow is obviously water, but it's not necessarily yeah, wet. Right. That it would make a it football doesn't, it doesn't wet. stick to you like 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 rain does. Right. So was was this game wet where it kind of maybe impacted the ball in any kind of way? I don't I, I mean, obviously, I wasn't down there, but I, I, I didn't really think so. It was very. The only thing I can say is it was extremely slippery. It was. Okay. It, it was um, at least walking around the stadium, and obviously that's different. It's concrete versus the field, but you have to imagine those. You know, to a certain extent, it probably translated to the field. Um, yeah. Walking Especially around when it was, snow was sticking was, on the field. You had a. You had. You know. You had that layer of snow. Um, right. Followed by like a freezing rain that just kind of it was like a fro- like a like a kind of slushy glaze over everything. So mm-hmm. it was definitely slippery. It was not pleasant, but it was. I wouldn't say it, like I, I can't imagine the ball was all that impacted by it, dude. I mean, I guess just one final one final point on Jones. Dude just makes fucking plays. I, I've this is two weeks in a row now where you know between the Sterling Shepard touchdown no it, well, it was the Sterling Shepard touchdown today the Cody Latimer play down deep down the field and then obviously the Golden Tate touchdown last week where he officially got his concussion against Chicago last week you know I just put in all caps Daniel Jones makes fucking plays and you know even that fourth down play today where he kept us in that drive and he kept that drive alive you know you can look at points throughout a football game. Where, you know, obviously Daniel Jones is taking us out of football games with certain turnovers, but you could say Daniel Jones is keeping us in football games and he is creating and giving life and injecting life into this football team. And I'll tell you what, you know, from what I've been hearing from some of the beat reporters now, what I've been hearing, I act like I have inside sources with them, what some of the beat reporters have been saying overall is that when you talk to people in this locker room, when you talk to people in that Giants locker room, they are still extremely, extremely excited and invested in Daniel Jones, and they think that he's going to be a superstar. And if there is one thing that is different this season compared to years past, is I really do think that if it weren't for Daniel Jones, I think Pat Shermer might lose this locker room, and he might have lost it weeks ago. But the fact that Jones is on this team and Jones provides this franchise hope because quarterback is the most important position in all sports, that's something to 
tangibly wrap your hand, wrap your head around to be excited over because he makes fucking plays. Yeah. From what I can tell, the team plays hard. They continue to play hard. They want to win football games. We actually, Justin, we would be remiss if we didn't mention or just briefly, briefly address Janoris Jenkins' comments after the game. Did you see them? Janoris Jenkins' comments after the game. We t- we talked about them briefly at the beginning of the episode. We did? Yeah. When? Yeah, where I was like, Janoris Jenkins was speaking of himself in the third person. Oh, yeah, you did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's okay. I you're you're just forgot. you're just an idiot. Yeah. You're yeah. just an idiot. Okay. And I'm the best. Yes. Yes, of course. So let's actually let's actually talk about this because this is this goes more towards Betcher. And I kind of want to talk about the offensive line to maybe wrap up. I mean, I, I could care less. Uh, maybe care less about the offensive line, but maybe even just talk about Saquon to wrap up. Um, but I mean, this goes to scheming. I David, I think Janoris Jenkins' comment goes to scheming. I know you're gonna want to talk about losing the locker room, but what Spagnolo had Jenkins doing is what you would typically think that Janoris Jenkins should be doing as your number one cornerback who's getting a hefty paycheck by the end of the season. Following the other team's opposing number one wide receiver. Following him and your it's your assignment to fucking cover him instead of covering a zone and then covering whoever's in front of you. And I think that's exactly what Jack Rabbit's comment was alluding to. The fact that Betcher doesn't allow him to do that. That and the fact that we see Devontae Adams line up on Sam Beal. I was complaining about last week, I was complaining about the fact that the giant that the Bears kept getting Allen Robinson matched up on Corey Ballantine. And and I think that's that's where what what, what Janoris is complaining about, that's where that is such a problem. It makes it so easy for an opposing offense to line up their guys wherever they want them. It, it allows it allows an opposing offense to get whatever matchup they want. So actually, Justin, I don't really care about the whole losing the locker room because I think Janoris Jenkins is completely correct. And quite honestly, yeah. I don't care at this point. I don't care if, if I don't care if any player wants to say whatever they want at this point. It doesn't matter to me because it needs to be blown up to an extent. And, and the guys who are making decisions schematically and are making the in-game decisions need to be held accountable. And yes, that includes James Betcher, and that's why I think James Betcher is already he's as good as gone. But so, but Pat Shermer should be also. I don't want to get down that road. Yeah. It's, it's dark and dangerous. Um, uh, I'm gonna make. Let me make one quick point, before, and then you're gonna we're gonna go Saquon, and then we'll wrap up. Correct. Uh, yeah, 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 sure, yeah, sure. How much? How much did we actually talk about Saquon earlier? I, I think a pretty decent amount. I don't know. I mean, I guess the only thing that I forgot about Saquon is saying that he's a shell of his former self. I said that. But also, you know, basically just the whole point of he's hurting the football team more than he's helping post-injury. And that illegal formation penalty killed a 30, negated a 30-yard play that would have put us in the red zone. Right. That's basically it. And, and and to be fair, those are those are all things we've said before that we know he's hurting the team. Yeah. And, and again, because really, we're at, we're at a point, David, where how much more can we just repeat the same things about this football team? Yeah. I, I do want to make one right. point, and this is interesting to, interesting to think about moving forward. And I'm not usually the kind of person who jumps on a bandwagon of a certain player because he had one good game. But lone bright spot, Caden Smith's looked pretty good. Um, six catches today. He had a touchdown last week. In Evan Ingram's absence, he has been, he has been pretty good. I'm not saying he replaces Evan Ingram's skill set or really even Red Ellison's skill set for, for that matter. They're, they're different. But 
it's food for thought moving forward because Evan Ingram is an interesting case as we move into the offseason and, and what this team uh, wants to do with him. He, he could be valuable to another team moving forward. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know where Dave Gettleman is with Evan Ingram and, and to see other guys in his absence continuously make plays. You figure Scott Simonson's made some plays or made some plays last week. Caden Smith looked good. Um, it's interesting because there's a lot of tight ends in, on this team and Evan Ingram has proven himself to not be somebody who can stay on the football field. Other guys make plays. It, it makes it tough for you to keep your job. I don't understand where this conversation is coming from that teams are just going to – if the Giants put Evan Ingram on the trade market, that teams are just going to automatically pick up the phones and call for Evan Ingram. They I'm not, were I'm not, during the trade deadline. I'm not saying it's – I'm yeah. not saying it's 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 a foregone conclusion, but – No, but I'm saying Giants Twitter. Yes. If the Gi- but what I think is if the Giants shop him hard enough, they will get something. It's just a matter of what. He'll yeah. – some. I mean I guarantee you there are a handful of teams that want his skill set. And and hey, I mean, David, this is now this is something. This is something. Now again, we're not in the building, but something to speculate. If the Giants knew that Evan Ingram was having these lingering injury problems, and we were getting phone calls over by over by the trade deadline, and maybe we were going to get a third round pick for Evan Ingram, and we didn't shop him. That's a that's bad a, look. That's a very that is a very bad look for for Dave Gettleman, who I have because we defended. were getting calls on we were getting calls on two guys on the offense, and I think Evan Ingram was one of them. Yes, at least that's what that's what we've right. heard. I'm willing to believe any report that comes out of that fucking building uh, these days, and I've addressed why on last episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the the tight end conversation is interesting. I will say though, if Evan Ingram is on the field, remember Caden uh, Smith's first catch where he gets basically tripped up by a safety yep. or a, either a safety or a linebacker on his first catch. Yes. Evan Ingram's gone. Yeah. If that's him. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, Evan Ingram's but, gone. But like you've, like you love saying best avail, best, best ability is availability. And that is, no, I don't love saying that. That's, that's, that's Dave Gettleman's uh, foundation on how he builds his roster. Well, I'm saying you have said that a lot. I have, you have said that a lot. But that that is Evan Ingram's issue, and and you you can't just keep going into football games. I mean, imagine at some point the New York Giants are going to play meaningful football again, and when they do play meaningful meaningful football, they need all their guys. No holds bad. He was, he took me in the low post and won, but I think we had on the varsity. So, David, do you have anything else that you would like to say to present to the world? Um. I will probably be at another Giants game this year because I hate myself. So, well, the Dolphin game is the next game, and we're going to that game together. Remember? Yes, we are. So I will be at the next Giants game. I'm at home. Uh, next home game. Who who who, who yeah. do they even play next week? Next week, uh, we are playing the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night. Lovely, love when that happens. I love when they get to play in Philly. I actually, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and you know, we haven't made any plans with him, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I would like to have like kind of an in-depth conversation with Brett Wiley, who's a bleeding blue contributor, but also an Eagles fan on what the fuck is going on with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, they're a mess. They're a complete mess. But we on paper, like I like you can understand what's happening with the Cowboys, where the Cowboys they're just, you know, they're they're just fucking, you know, they're just a fucking disaster with Jason Garrett. You can understand that, I guess. 
But the Eagles on paper have a top five NFL roster. Like they, they they really do. Bleeding blue in our positional value study that we did over the offseason with you know positional value pyramids, the Eagles have a top five fucking roster. And what the fuck has happened? So I really want to have a conversation with him and have an in-depth conversation on maybe even a different a different football team that has some kind of tangible shot at making the playoffs. Now, even though looking very sleek and very glim right now because they just lost to the Dolphins themselves. So looking really slim and really glim right now. Um, but I just I kind of want to know what's going on. Yeah, they they've really they've really really been a mess. Carson Wentz has not looked good. The defense has looked awful. Offensive line doesn't look they they across the board just look like a, a really really poor poor football team. And I mean, figure the only reason they're even in the conversation is because this division is so bad. Yeah, which makes you which makes you that much more upset that the Giants couldn't show any kind of tangible sign of life hope. Life, like, like, literally, if if they had the same record as the Philadelphia Eagles, which don't, what are they? What are they? Five and seven? Yes, because they're a game behind the Cowboys. Yeah, they're five and seven. We would realistically expect the Giants to maybe be four and eight, and they would still have a fucking shot heading into the final games of the season. It's kind of crazy. So, uh, yeah. So we'll be ta- hopefully we'll be talking to Brett Wiley, and we'll have him on uh, either on the pregame show or we'll have like a, maybe a midweek episode. Uh, depending on how my week goes and whatnot, um, we may give David a, an episode off if he so wishes, or if he would like to be a part of the conversation. <laughs> um, uh, David, anything else? No, I'm just about ready to uh, tell everybody to stay beautiful. 17 losses out of the last 22 home games. Pat Shermer's the second head coach in franchise history to lose more than, or to le- to lose at least 10 games in his first two seasons as Giants head coach. And today is John Mara's 65th birthday. Happy birthday, John Mara. Go Pack Go. And David. Hey, John Mara. Justin, be John Mara. Hey, John Mara. Hi, I'm John Mara. Fuck you, John Mara. Happy birthday. Oh, that was mean. But what are you going to tell all of our listeners? Um, Everybody but John Mara and Pat Shermer. Stay beautiful.